Happy Tuesday. This is the Steinberg Show. No Steinberg today. Peter Klein with you from the Basement Systems downtown studio. Riley Pollock, the producer today. Riley, did you call any more goalie goals yesterday? There was no goalie goals yesterday. Ah. I went to the outdoor rink, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, as the kids call it, a little ODR. Yeah, a little ODR action. First time on the ice all year, so that was fun. Nice. I'm uh, I'm supposed to go skating at some time next week and haven't done that particular activity in about 15 years. So there's a chance you're going to need to fill in for about a week after that as I recover from uh, yet another traumatic brain injury. I can do that. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just looking out for you, really, is what I'm... <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, coming up on the show today, Riley Pollock is going to ask me questions and we're going to talk about sports. That's kind of the gist of things. Last night in the NHL, pretty short schedule, as Riley mentioned in the update, a lot of teams on break, a couple teams weren't. One game happened while we were on the air, so tough to really get too in-depth about that one. But Florida taking on the Minnesota Wild yesterday. It's a Panthers 5-4 victory a couple talking points coming out of that one. And yeah, we're at the leading with Florida Panthers, Minnesota wild portion of the NHL by how are the Florida Panthers doing what the Florida Panthers are doing right now? This is kind of an under the radar story that it's almost good. We have the bye week so people can kind of see, you know, Panthers teams kind of doing a couple things. They have 179 goals, which is the most in their division and in the Western Conference and tied for or in the Eastern Conference, sorry, and tied for the most in the NHL. And they're not getting a lick of goaltending from the dude who they paid a lot of money for a long time for. And here they are sitting top or sitting in a top three spot in the Atlantic division. But what do they do with Sergei Bobrovsky? Because we kind of knew going in that this was going to be a contract that wasn't going to be great a few years down the road. And even this year, it was going to be tough for him to get the uh, value back on a 10-year contract that is going to be paying him until 25-26. That's a long time from now. Those aren't the ages he's going to be. Those are like 2025. Currently sitting with a 3.25 goals against average and an 897 save percentage. So I'm going to suggest not necessarily providing the return that you would be hoping for on a $10 million contract. And here they are, essentially lighting $10 million on fire and still sitting in a top three spot in the Atlantic Division. I don't know what you do if you're the Florida Panthers in net. Chris Drieger has been obviously more than fine. Uh, Sam Montembeau is up on emergency loan with Drieger dealing with an injury problem right now. What do you do with Sergei Bobrovsky? Borderline unplayable. Kind of have to play him a little bit. $10 million. And also the other guy got hurt. The Florida Panthers are an interesting team. And I, I will admit not one that I paid a ton of attention to in the first half of the season. They have players you like. Love me some Huberto. Barkov's always fun. Mike Hoffman shoots the puck really well. The blue line leaves a little bit to be desired. But this is a fine hockey team if they get good goaltending. And they've been getting good goaltending, just not from the $10 million guy that they have in net. So the Florida Panthers are definitely a team that I'm going to be watching for the back half of the season. One team that I won't be, the Minnesota Wild. Well, one thing I want to do today is a uh, who's in, who's out as we reach the very unofficial halfway point of the NHL's regular season. And perhaps I will get uh, goalie goal color commentator extraordinaire Riley Pollock to uh, help me out with this one. But... I, I put the Minnesota Wild in the 
they're out category. It was a fun run. Congratulations. You, you made a nice little push. Played the Flames three times in a week, which was really riveting to talk about for sure. They currently sit 22, 21, and 6. That is 50 points in 49 games. Fine. Cool. Last in the Central Division. And when you look at this wild team, they have exceeded expectations up to this point. But I think that we have now kind of reached the peak of this and things start to fall into place for Minnesota the the way that we thought they would. What they do at the deadline now is going to be very interesting. But Riley, as you look at the Central Division standings and see Minnesota eight points out of a playoff spot, but last in the division, do you think I'm overreacting in saying the Minnesota Wild are one of the teams who I've I've officially put in the they're out category. No, I think everyone below Nashville in the wild card race is out. Okay. Um, so Nashville has a game two, three, four in hand on Central Division and Wild Card team. So I think they're still in it, but they really have to push. Yeah. Um, so I would say they're a bubble team and then Chicago up, I think, still has a chance. But yeah, Min- I don't see Minnesota making uh making a playoff push. No, I just I, I understand that the wild card race in the Western Conference for the second year in a row is kind of just a lot of mediocrity. But I don't think Minnesota's good enough. Like, is Minnesota better than Nashville? No. Are they better than Chicago? I don't know. Maybe they've had less fights in practice in the last 24 hours, so that's probably a positive. I don't think they're better than Winnipeg. Are they like it's just they're not they don't scream to me, oh yeah, this is a team that's gonna rattle off seven of eight and get back into this race. I just don't think they have the firepower to get into that who's who's in category. I'm with you on Nashville. The games in hand is certainly helping. Six points. It's I mean, it's one more than Minnesota, and we're saying the, the wild are dead to rights. Six points out, I think Nashville can do. I still think there's enough talent on Nashville's team to make the playoffs. I, I'm not necessarily scared of the Nashville Predators in round one of the playoffs. So I still I still think they're in. Chicago, I'm envisioning a couple weeks from now, we're going to be having the, oh, they're now out of this conversation with the Blackhawks. I just don't think that this run can continue, but it's quite the run that has the Blackhawks back within three points of a playoff spot. But I'm in agreement. Obviously, the Kings are out, the Ducks are out, the Sharks are out, and the Wild are out. When you look at those teams in terms of being sellers at the trade deadline for the LA Kings... You wonder about Jeff Carter. There's been some rumblings about him going back to Philadelphia. If he goes to the wrong place, he'll just retire. Um, the Ducks. I don't think the Ducks are going to do a whole lot of selling. Like I, I think they've kind of done the unless they've decided a year into the Silverberg contract. Ah, you know what? We're probably good. But I, I think that seems like a piece they kind of want to keep around. They knew they were going to be bad for a couple years when they signed that contract anyway. So I don't really see the Ducks doing a whole lot. The Sharks. I have a lot of interest in the San Jose Sharks at the trade deadline. They are, I think, definitely out out of it. 11 points out with 32 games to go. They've lost three in a row. The coaching firing didn't really spark a whole lot from this team. I wonder what the San Jose Sharks are going to do at the trade deadline. If they decide to just blow everything up, then this is a team that could really help tilt the balance of the playoff races in some teams' favor. But you don't get the sense they're going to do that. Do you think we see, Riley, any big blow-ups from the San Jose Sharks at the trade deadline? I don't really know who you move. I mean, they got a lot of old people. Yeah. And the young guys, I'm 
assuming that they want to keep around. I don't really see any trade bait from this team. They just signed Carlson to that huge deal. No one's taking that. Yeah. Um, Burnsy's not going anywhere. Thornton's not going anywhere. You probably can't move that Vlasic contract. Yeah. I, I think they'd like to make some moves, but I just don't know who or what value they'd get from their Yeah, the, the one I wonder about would they make a hurdle move. At 26, he's got two years left after this one at 5.625. That would be a move that I think would help a lot of teams out, and I think you could probably get quite a bit back for him. But at that point, that's a pretty big piece that you're moving out. So they're in a, they're in a tough spot with the contracts that they have. They're kind of creeping into, oh, you guys are going to be bad for a while territory with Carlson not looking great. It would appear that Burns is falling off a little bit. That Vlasic contract, I think, is not going to be awesome for very long. They got Couture under contract for quite a while, and I think he's really good. But $8 million, he's plus 30. That's going to be a bit of an issue. And the Evander Kane contract isn't probably going to pay out $7 million a year like they wanted to. I, I, think, I think there's a chance this is the start of a real bad run for the San Jose Sharks. Now, if they get a good goaltender in there, which they haven't been able to up until this point, that certainly fixes a lot of problems. But I think San Jose is in a real grind for the next few years. I think this could be a real issue for San Jose. And then you get to Minnesota. And I wonder if the Flames double back on a Jason Zucker conversation, because that's really why we're focusing on this, right? Like, we're not saying, well, golly gee, Minnesota's out. Whatever are we going to do? We're looking at this from trade perspectives, right? Like, that's, that's the reason you have this exercise. And Jason Zucker is a name that was tied to the Flames. Apparently, that deal was essentially done and things fall through at the last minute. But you do wonder if the Flames double back on that. I wonder about the availability of an Eric Stahl. He has one more year left on his deal after this one, has a modified no trade. I don't know if he's going to do the chasing another Stanley Cup thing. He's got 16 goals in 49 games after 22 last year, 42 the year before that. Man, he's been in Minnesota for four seasons. Didn't realize it was that long. That kind of took me back a little bit. But yeah, I wonder about the availability of an Eric Stahl. And from a, again, looking at this from a Calgary Flames perspective, I mean, he shoots left, so join the club. But maybe that's a top six forward th that you're looking at. Probably not. Doesn't play the, the right hand. He plays center, which you can never have too many of those. But I do wonder if he's a player that some teams are going to look at as a viable top six forward on a team that can help put the puck in the net because I don't know how many of those are going to be available. So from Nashville up, we are saying still in the race in the Western Conference. Out east, Detroit, you know, still a lot of road left. I mean, look, St. Louis Blues were in last place January 3rd last year. This year, Detroit, I feel fairly confident in saying they were in last place this year. Maybe there's a chance. I don't think they're going to make up, uh, what is that, 31 points in the next 32 games. That seems like it's going to be a challenge for the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, you heard it here first, the Detroit Red Wings probably out this year. New Jersey's out. Ottawa's out. The Rangers are nine back with a couple games in hand. I, I don't think... I don't think they're in. I, I think the, the Rangers are a they're-out-of-it team. Montreal and Buffalo, I think both of them both of them are probably out. What happened to Buffalo? Why can't Buffalo ever figure this thing out? It, it's I All I want, well, not all I want, one of the things I want is for Buffalo to be good again. 
And they have some exciting players on this team. Eichel, love to watch the dude play. Rasmus Dahlin, seems pretty awesome. They have quite a few players that you would like to see kind of take that next step. And just every year, it's, oh, well, you know, they're young, so just figuring it out. And, oh, look at that, they're out of a playoff spot now. The thing with the Sabres, they have all of the expiring contracts. Players under contract for next year. At forward, it is Eichel, Akposo, Marcus Johansson, and Jeff Skinner. Full stop. That's all they have at the uh, at forward. That's four. No. That's four forwards. Yeah. That's one line plus a guy. Right. Pretty important four. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Eichel, Akposo, Johansson, and Skinner. Um, that's $29.5 million. So it's a pretty expensive four. But Froelich, Reinhardt, Shiri, VC. Rodriguez, Gergensons, Larson, Lazar, couple RFAs mixed in there. All of those are expiring deals. You throw in a Bogosian and a Brandon Montour, who's only 25. It feels like he's been in the league for a thousand years. But they have a lot of expiring contracts. So if Buffalo decides to start playing the rental game, they're another team that could, I think, influence things a little bit. And again, as we look at this from a Flames perspective, for sure don't, out, don't go out and try to get a Zach Bogosian. Definitely don't do that. Quite slow. Wouldn't recommend it. Talk me into a Brandon Montour. Now, the, the cost probably might be prohib- prohibitive there, but there are a number of options. And I think I think the Sabres are going to be a pretty good plan B for a few teams at the trade deadline. All right, well, swing and a miss on Pajot. He's off to somewhere else. And, you know, we didn't quite get in on the, the Kovalchuk thing. No, I could talk myself into a Shiri. I could, I could make that work. So the, the Buffalo Sabres, I think, are going to be a pretty interesting, like from 2.30 to 3 p.m. trade deadline team. Like a last half hour, oh, the Sabres just made six moves. Okay. I, I think they're, they're going to be a team to watch as we head toward the NHL's trade deadline next month. Last team that I think is out, Montreal Canadiens. It's not happening. They're too banged up. The Ilya Kovalchuk trade talks are going to be quite fun. I know, I know that going out and acquiring old dude on probably last contract hasn't necessarily worked out a whole lot here lately. See Yager, comma, Yarmir. But would you give some thought to Kovalchuk with the Calgary Flames? He's got an elite shot. And he seems to be loved by everyone in that Habs locker room. Right? I don't know if this is, like, Montreal seems like much more of a Kovalchuk city than Calgary does. Yeah. I don't know if he would come here and pout, but it's only $700,000. Yeah, it's a nothing contract. It's a two-way contract on the minimum. Yeah. Like, it's, it seems kind of, that's one where, if that's your only move, I don't love it. But if you went out and acquired someone, say, uh, a Pajot or one of those types of guys, and then... Ah, well, we have a couple draft picks sitting around. Not going to be drafting a whole lot next year anyway. Let's go get an Ilya Kovalchuk. And you you added, if he's your second add to a Flames team, I really like that from a Calgary perspective. We'll say he's super slow, and a lot of the offense that he's generating right now in Montreal is because everything goes through him. Yeah, you have to, you have, to have him on the power play to bring him in. Right. It's not worth it because he gets... 90% of his looks from the power play. 
Yeah. And everything in the power play runs. He is their power play quarterback. Yeah. Which is insane for a guy who's been there for like three hours that he is the, the power play quarterback there. So I wonder, I wonder how effective he would be in the Ovechkin, what we thought James Neal would be James Neal role of just you sit there and just be permanently locked for a one-timer chance. And when the opening comes, we'll just fire it to you and you let it rip. So I, I wonder I wonder how much of an option that would be for the Flames because it seems like a lot of his offense is because everything in Montreal is running through him and you wouldn't necessarily be doing that with the Flames. Yeah. But I would take a look. And I, I think that's going to be... That, that could be one of those sneaky ones that when you get into May, not saying that the Flames are a lock to get into May, but when we get into May, you look at, you know, this was kind of a move that changed the season for Team X and whoever acquired an Ilya Kovalchuk. couple texts, 960-960. Uh, how do you think Blackhawks-Panthers will go tonight? Both teams on a bit of a roll. Uh, that is one of the games on the schedule tonight. Florida is in Chicago. You have two winning streaks going head to head. I will plus the Quinville matchup going on with the Panthers taking on Chicago tonight. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. This is the most anticipated Florida Panthers Chicago Blackhawks matchup in the history of the National Hockey League. I'm going I'm ready to declare that right now. This is certainly the most interested I've been in Florida against Chicago at any point in the regular season ever. Actually pretty good schedule tonight. Vegas against Boston is uh, one of the highlights, and it's on Sportsnet West this evening. Also from 960-960, uh, is that backup Panthers goalie, the guy that used to play for the Hitmen? It is. When's the last time a $10 million goalie in the NHL worked? Probably never. Uh, Carey Price is still good, but Montreal isn't. I guess it depends on your definition of worked. Uh, for leak was always the trade trip in previous trade rumors. Does that trade become more difficult now that there is no throw? I, I don't think that the major holdup in that was, well, we need to get Michael for into Minnesota. I think a lot of that was, well, those salaries work out pretty well. So let's make that work. I think that was more of it than anything else. Now that you have that salary cap space freed, it might make things a little bit easier to pull off a Jason Zucker trade. Uh, keep the tags coming in, 960-960. We'll get to those uh, once again as the show rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Do want to remind you guys, Super Bowl 54 coming up next Sunday. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary's home for the NFL. The biggest game of the year needs the biggest pregame show of the year, and that is at Shank Sports Grill. Will Nalt and Pat Steinberg, all NFL, all Super Bowl, for four hours, starting at noon, Sportsnet Nation members log on to sportsnet.ca slash 960 for your chance to win a $100 gift card and reserved seating for four. The winner will be selected and contacted January 27th. Enter to win an NFL jersey after every quarter and great fruit, uh, food and drink specials at Shanks Sports Bar and Grill. Shanks North and Shanks South, your headquarters for the Super Bowl. Schedule moved around uh, a little bit today. We have a guest coming up at about 1.50. So coming up next, Riley Pollock. He has to... I, I don't know where I was going with this. He's going to ask me some questions. I'm going to answer them when we come back. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on The Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
Well, Buck Pearson, the update. Love it from Riley. Uh, he is in charge of three burning questions today. Hello, Riley. Hello, Klein. How's it going today? Wonderfully. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, it's a bit of a slow sports news day, but, you know, Buck Pierce. Yeah. Big move. No way. I, I respect it. Big shoes to fill with Lapo. That's true. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk hockey for the three burning questions. All right, um, let's do it. Where are you on this league-mandated break? I find it too cluttered. Like, too many teams are on the break at the same time, and it kind of just makes the week before the All-Star break boring. What do you think? I I agree. There, there's no buzz for anything with the All-Star break. I, I would have loved you get, come off of, from a Flames perspective, come off of crazy Edmonton game, then you have the Montreal game, which was whatever. And, but the crazy Edmonton stuff builds and builds and builds and then there's natural anticipation for, well, these guys are all playing on the All-Star game. And you go from that to this, where it's, okay, well, haven't seen hockey for a week, so I guess I may as well tune in. Maybe that's what they're doing, just depriving us for so long. And then, hey, this isn't like the hockey you're used to, but it's a thing on ice, so go for it. Maybe that's the, the strategy behind it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I can see why the players would like it. It, it seems kind of natural to just, well, schedule games during this, and then you can have less back-to-backs. But if you have less back-to-backs, from a player's standpoint, you have fewer trips to Hawaii. So I I get why the players like it, instead of just having an extra couple days off during the season, chunk them all together. But I would much rather have fewer back-to-backs and a bit more of a predictable schedule than all the back-to-backs and having a week off where we're getting super stoked for the Islanders against the Rangers tonight. I, 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 would, I would rather it not be a thing. And, like, I feel like they could just do eight teams at a time and do, like, eight teams go two weeks before the All-Star break, eight teams go the week of the All-Star break, and then eight after and eight after that, you know? Like, yeah. it seems like there's, like, 14 teams or something not playing this week. It's, it's a lot, and it, it makes for kind of a, a lighter schedule, especially... This week, where there isn't a lot for NFL headlines with the the Super Bowl being a couple weeks away, you kind of have a chance to creep into the sports discussion, maybe a little bit more with a a few of the games down south. Probably not. But I mean, maybe there is a chance. So, yeah, Yeah. I I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, We just talked about Kovalchuk. Do you think he gets moved to a contender before the deadline? And maybe give me a where you think he's been great for the Habs. Uh, so it should give him a little bit of value to be able to flip him. Yeah, and uh, like we talked about in the last segment, $700,000 contract. Now, there are still some teams that can't fit him in at the moment, uh, just with how their cap system is set up. Um, when you look at cap friendly, now, I'm sure there's, excuse me, LTIRs that could be moved. But as of right now, just looking at the cap space column, Florida, Chicago, Vegas, Philly, Vancouver, St. Louis, Dallas, Boston, Toronto, Buffalo, Arizona. All can't afford a league minimum salary without moving a little bit of salary out. So that kind of complicate thing, complicates things just a little bit. I wonder about the Pittsburgh Penguins trying to, to get in on this. I, I think you wouldn't necessarily worry about any motivation issues. I'm assuming Malkin would be fine helping him out with that. You're not necessarily necessarily relying on him to be a major contributor, but with no Gensel for the foreseeable future, I think that that's a move that can make some sense. It's a low low risk, low reward option for the the Pittsburgh Penguins, but one that just kind of helps balance out their forward depth. I do think it could make some sense with the Flames 
as they search for a top six player. But this is also a team that probably needs to get uh, a little bit quicker. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are always making moves like this. They're, they're always, well, they don't, probably don't need anyone. Oh, they just added someone. Okay, great. Awesome. Sure. So another goal scorer in Tampa Bay. Why not? But I, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are probably a one on the list of teams that I would expect him to go to. And I do expect him to move at some point. I, I just think it has too much value to a Montreal Canadiens team that is looking to looking toward next year more than the next couple months, I would say. Yeah, I uh, I would think Boston would have him on their radar, maybe as like a middle six kind of thing, just to fill out the offensive. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. They, I like that a lot, actually. There's a... Uh... Projected cap space for Boston right now is $712, though. So uh, <laughs> they would have to flip someone back the other way. God, I love that. Yeah. $712. Bucks. <laughs> yeah, the current Jeez. cap space is two point three, but projected is 712 So that's not great. Um, but yeah, like I feel like him in a middle six role in Boston could really put them over the top. So we'll see, I guess. But I think it will be interesting. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Uh, and finally... Baseball talk, Larry Walker's last chance to get into the hall today. Do you think he deserves to be in, and do you think he will get in? I think he deserves to get in. He tweeted out today that he doesn't think he's going to get in, so I would imagine he knows more about this than I would. I don't get I don't get this one. I at least with the the Barry Bonds, I don't personally agree with the argument, although I see where they're coming from. With Larry Walker with Colorado, like sure. It's a ballpark that's crazy, and he won the MVP award in that ballpark. Also, he finished 7th in MVP voting, uh, sorry, 11th in MVP voting in his last year in Montreal, still hit 322, and still made a couple all-star games in Montreal. Like, it, If you're going to have a ballpark like Colorado, but then have the players that play there have nothing they do ever count, I don't get why you have that to begin with. It, it seems... So, so strange to me. Like, are we not going to include Yankees because there was uh, a, it's a, a short fence? Like, I just I don't understand it even a little bit. It's frustrating. He definitely deserves to get in career 313 hitter um, 17 seasons. Good grief. But no, I I don't like it. I, I don't like it all. He should be in by now. It's frustrating. I'm assuming you, with a bit of a Montreal fandom, would be... I don't know where you're at on the Expos, but I'm assuming you're you're in my camp because it's the correct one. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> frustrating. I mean, if you look at their stats side by side, he's got better numbers than Jeter had, and Jeter's going to be a first ballot this year, yeah. most likely. Yeah, and it's not like Yankee Stadium's the polo grounds where everything's like 500 feet away. A yeah. couple of those home runs... Probably didn't deserve to be home runs. And there are other aspects of Derek Jeter's game. And I I, I don't want this to turn into me saying Derek Jeter's not a Hall of Famer. Oh, no, not he definitely deserves to be in. Absolutely. But, but the people voting Omar Vizquel in over Larry Walker are just out of their minds. I don't understand that. It's, it, it, if you want to make the, the steroid argument for guys like Bonds and Clemens, uh, whatever. Sure. Fine. I guess. The Larry Walker one, oh, he played in an easy stadium. Well, it's still, it's still a ballpark. Like, what was he supposed to do? Demand a trade out of Colorado to go play just in San Diego, where it's a, a much less hitter-friendly ballpark. Like, that's, it's completely ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. I understand uh, that my entire family has moved to Colorado, but to help my Hall of Fame case, it's a much bigger ballpark at Comerica in Detroit, so I'm going to go there. 
It's ridiculous. If you're going to have a sport where every ballpark is different and there isn't just one uniform thing for every place, then you're going to have to understand that there's going to be some numbers that look a little bit different. But you can't just look at everything Larry Walker did and think, oh, it's all because of the ballpark. I just, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Three straight years, 366, 363, 379 batting averages. On base percentage of 452, 445, and 458. That is unbelievable. And it ain't just the ballpark that's helping that out. He's a Hall of Fame talent that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's going to be a damn shame if he doesn't make it in this year. Yeah, and like I feel like the voting for the MLB Hall of Fame is definitely the most controversial. Like it always seems like there's controversies every single year when it comes to baseball. And a lot of it has to do with steroid scandal and yeah. the era of steroids, I guess. But it just seems like baseball consistently doesn't get it right. Yeah. And like there's no there there's no rule. It's each guy has their own opinion on well, what should matter and what shouldn't matter. And you don't want to just have one thing that matters and that's the only thing that gets in. It's good to have a variety of opinions, but when you have something so polarizing as steroids or I guess a weird ballpark, then yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But there's a lot about baseball that I don't get. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Riley, no for problem. three burning questions today. A um, couple texts. It's because they're prejudiced against Canada. I, I don't know, man. Like, probably not. I don't imagine that's the case. You can make the argument if you put those up for the Yankees, he'd already been in the Hall of Fame. And that, like, for sure, I think it's probably more a prejudice against Colorado than it is a, uh, a prejudice against Canada. But to each their own. Um, all right, time for us to take a break here on the show, but uh, still a lot to get to. Coming up later on today, we have Chris Johnston, we have Jason Lockenfora. It's going to be a busy next few hours, but the uh, Steinberg Show continues next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just a bit before 2 o'clock, welcome back to the Steinberg Show. Pinder is sitting in here patiently waiting for the start of Pinder and Steinberg coming up in a few moments. It is Mentor Month. And here to help us chat about that um, is Jody McKay. She is the manager of volunteer recruitment for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, uh, and a fellow former Assiniboia resident who escaped. Uh, Jody, how are you today? Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. Hey, thank you for coming on. We, we really appreciate it. So uh, recruitment month, it is, uh, a, I love the partnership with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, it was something in a past life that I, I helped out with a little bit. Haven't as much, would like to get back into it. So for people like me uh, who want to get into a, a mentorship role, whether it be again or for the first time, um, I guess just kind of go through the process of getting into that. Great. Well, and uh, thank you. It is Mentoring Month, January across Alberta. Uh, we've partnered with the Alberta Mentoring Partnership and other mentoring organizations to really raise the awareness and have people like yourself, Peter, and others find out more about how they can become involved. And I think one of the first things we here at Big Brothers Big Sisters like to say is reach out to us. Go to our website, bbbscalgary.ca. Talk to one of our qualified Staff. They're there to help you through the whole process. They're there to help you through training, answer questions, and really be there. They do an amazing job of getting to know all of our potential volunteers, as well as the young people that we are serving in our mentoring programs, and really do a good job matching and finding that um, great, consistent relationship for both the mentor and the mentee. Yeah, it's not just, okay, here's a kid, go. There, no. There's quite the process that goes into to kind of matching things, as you said. 
Yeah, and what's exciting about that is we really do. We get to know what's your past experience, your lived experience as a mentor. What are your passions? What do you like to do? Is it going to a Flames game, to a Hitman game, to the theater, even just heading out walking a dog and getting to know you and really finding that young person the same way, getting to know them. As you said, it's not first come, first serve. We really want to make a good match is what we call them and really have a strong mentoring relationship. And for the the kids involved, like it's just a huge help to have just a, another person in their life to kind of like just spend time with and have mutual interests with. Yeah, and our one-to-one mentoring programs, the young people that we serve, they come to us with a variety of adversities or challenges in their lives. From Some have come, they've been through a lot of grief and loss, uh, divorce, there may be neglect or poverty, and some even are dealing with mental health issues themselves or within their household. And what we know is that every child is born with incredible potential. And so we know that that one caring relationship can make all the difference in their life. And from a mentor standpoint, just incredibly rewarding to to be able to to help a, a child out in that way. It's huge, and that's why our staff really invest in that relationship, not only for the young person, but the mentor. 98% of our bigs, as we call them, our big brothers or big sisters, 98% say they're proud to be and say, I'm a mentor, because it really does for them. They said, you know, we come into this to make a difference in a young person's life, but it also does end up having an impact on theirs as well. So again, Jody, if someone is hearing this and wants to get involved, what's the best way to go about that? Well, today is a perfect day. Today is part of Mentoring Month. It's Nominate a Mentor. We know, Peter, that the number one way mentor volunteers come to us is through word of mouth. Talk to someone. Say, do you have a colleague? Do you know someone, you know, a neighbor, a family member? Say, you know what, you've been looking to get involved with a, in a young person's life to make a difference. Talk about Big Brothers, Big Sisters, about becoming a mentor. And today being Nominate Your Mentor Day, send them to our website again, and we'll get a hold of them within two days maximum. We'll be chatting with people. And so we also, this Friday, another way to get involved with us, we'll be at the park, kitchen and bar, all day Friday from noon till 6, on site there at Quarry Park, and we're bringing mentors in. Our big brothers and big sisters and our staff will be on site. Pop down, come chat with us, have lunch, have a snack, and we'll be able to talk a bit more and and get the process started people. It's, again, incredibly rewarding to do that. It's a great way to, to spend some time and really help out. And it's, again, it's it's doing stuff that you want. It's not, if you don't want to do an arts and crafts fair, you don't have to. Like, you can you can yes. find different activities that you're interested in. Jody, thank you so much for doing this today and helping us spread the word. Yeah, thank you, Peter, and uh, have a great week off until hockey resumes. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, take care. Awesome. Uh, so there you go. Again, the website, bbbscalgary.ca. It is Mentoring Month. It's something that I, I did a while ago, kind of lost it with uh, pursuing career different op- or different career opportunities, but it's incredibly rewarding and cannot recommend that enough. Uh, a couple minutes left here before we head over to Pinder and Steinberg. A couple more texts at 960-960. Some people texting in wrestling. I appreciate that they were texting in Riley to, to answer wrestling questions. He's just, it's kind of like in that Oilers-Flames game where 
I'm Zach Cassian just bull rushing Matthew Kachuk, and you're Connor McDavid just kind of getting the the shrapnel in all of this, and you're just kind of stuck af- having to answer rest- less wrestling questions now. Yeah, I haven't watched since like the Rock and Stone Cold days. Used uh, to be into it, but see, not about it anymore. Everyone used to be into it. That, that's it's everyone makes fun of wrestling, but you put on wrestling and oh, I used to watch this. Oh yeah, it was great. See, once yeah. again. Another uh, another former fan who just lost his way. Well, I do like Rey Mysterio though. There you go. He yeah. still he was in a ladder match yesterday yeah. on Monday Night Raw. Didn't he like fall on his head? He did. Yeah, yeah. and almost uh, very badly injured another guy in the process. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> you can you can get back into it. Uh, it's all good. So yes, Riley having to answer a couple uh, Royal Rumble related questions at nine six zero. 960. That's going to do it for the Steinberg show. Coming up next is Pinder and Steinberg. And then after that, it is the Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Pete the Pixie the Fan.